Well, good morning. Good to be here today and uh, good to see all the men survived last Sunday and uh, did not talk about submission too much with your wives or else you'd have a black eye. Okay, so uh, good to see you here today. Wow, next Sunday will be a big Sunday, so uh, hope we can pack it out next Sunday. Uh, come for breakfast, 8.30, and uh, then of course lunch, and we'll have the uh, first family lunch and the food truck rodeo. Alright, I think there's like seven or eight food trucks going to be here, so we'll have a big day. Alright, today the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Today we look at verses 8 through 17 in 1 Peter chapter 3. And uh, going to be talking about getting ready for the best. Uh, preparing for the best things in life. I really do believe that if you're a child of God, your best days are in the future. I do believe that. I believe by faith that God has a wonderful plan for our lives. Sometimes we have to go through the fire. And sometimes we go through trials. And really the book of 1 Peter talks about the fiery trial that these people went through. But Peter tries to encourage them that in their future is going to be their best days. Uh, last week I was at the hospital and uh, got on the elevator. And an uh, interesting thing happened. <clears throat> got on the elevator and so the doors opened and I was trying to be polite and hold the doors open. I was trying to get everybody on. And, and so uh, then I was trying to be the elevator operator. So I said, what floor do you need? I pushed the button. What floor do you need? I pushed the button. And after about four or five people were giving me different floor numbers, I said, okay, I've got B3567. And then a lady spoke up and said, that's my Powerball number. <laughs> Now, I had no idea what she's talking about, but that was her Powerball number. And so uh, I said, uh, well, lady, and, you know, I had a First Baptist Church you know, shirt on, so uh, I said, lady, I have no idea what you're talking about. But uh, So if you are preparing for the best, it may not be in the lottery, all right? It may be somewhere else. Bill and Gloria Gate, go ahead. I saw an article by Dr. Ben Carson. Yeah. And he said he's already won the Powerball because he knows the Lord. Oh, <laughs> amen, amen. That's, that's great. I, I think about Bill and Gloria Gaither. They wrote that wonderful song, Because He Lives. And uh, we can face tomorrow. And uh, what a wonderful thing to have that kind of faith. If I could take you back in history to the first century. The Roman Empire is dominating the world. The heel of the Roman Empire coming down the church. A time of great fiery trial, great persecution. Christians were living in catacombs. They, they were trying to still assemble and keep their faith. And perhaps what kept them going was the truth that their best days 
We're going to be in front of them. Can you imagine being afraid to go and assemble yourself to worship? Can you imagine being afraid to mention the name Jesus because someone was going to put you in jail? And yet we find that these early believers turned the world upside down and they were faithful because they believed their best was going to be in the future. And so, I would tell you today that we can be optimistic. We don't have to be pessimistic. Uh, I don't like to be around downers. In fact, I avoid them like the plague. I, I like to be filled with joy. Um, if you're going to be a sourpuss, hang around somebody else. Uh, I don't want you in my group. I like folks that are happy and joyful. I, I like it when little children talk about, about the joy, joy, joy they've got down deep in their heart. And so you and I have that joy in our life through Christ. I want to read today... 1 Peter chapter 3, just one verse as we begin. Verse number 15. If you could take and grasp all the truth in verse 15, it would be a wonderful thing. Let me just read 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Now Peter is saying here that there are going to be times when you're going to be in a trial. There are going to be times when you're going to be surrounded by difficulty. And in that trial, in that difficulty, in that moment, someone's going to be surprised by your life. They're going to be surprised by the peace that you got. They're going to be surprised by the joy that you got. They're going to be surprised about your optimistic attitude. And because of that, they're going to say, what do you have in your life? And in that moment, you're going to stand up and you're going to have an answer for them. Now, one reason why people are not asking the right questions about our faith today is that we're not living the credible lives we need to live. And so, if we've got that optimistic peace in the storms of life, somebody's going to ask. They're going to ask. I had this lady one time, her name was Miss Craig, and uh, Miss Craig was a trip. And uh, she was an older lady and uh, traveled around the world. She was a retired school teacher, and uh, Miss Craig was diagnosed with breast cancer. The doctor said, well, we got two options. We can do a lumpectomy, and then you can have weeks of radiation, and then some chemo, and or we can do a mastectomy and uh, you won't have to have any treatment. And she said, I don't have time for treatment. I don't have time for this nonsense. She said, "Just let's just do away with it. And so I got to the hospital that day and was walking through the pre-op area and, and, uh, and I heard some people singing in a room. I said, that's got to be Miss Craig. Sure enough, she was in there, boy, they, they were singing everything but the Hallelujah Chorus. 
Nurses and doctors were walking by and they said, they're having a party in there. I said, yes they are. Because the joy of the Lord is their strength. You can have a party in the midst of that if you know the Lord. And that's, that's verse 15. Someone's going to ask what is going on in your life that you can go through this and have that peace and that joy. Alright, how do you and I prepare for the best in our future? Let me share with you three things, alright? Number one, we've got to cultivate Christian love. Christian love. I'm not talking about puppy dog love where you fall in one day and fall out the next. Someone... One time, once upon a time, long, long time ago in another place, another world, they got uh, upset with me and, and uh, I find that hard to believe I'm so sweet and kind and nice, but they got upset and uh, they, they said, well, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just done with him. I'm just done with him. And I said, I'll tell you what happened. I said, they, they fell out of love with me. Oh, have you ever fallen out of love with someone? Say yes, sure you have. <laughs> Someone's done something, you know, it might have been your husband or your wife, it might have been your child, it might have been your pastor, but, but they did something, and then you had to, now listen to me, you had to cultivate, you had to learn to love them again. Now, I want you to look here in verses 8 through 12, okay? Let's begin reading verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, i got to believe that this is autobiographical with Peter. And you remember Simon Peter. He's a guy who's a hothead. Uh, he flew off the handle many times. Do you remember the, the time when Jesus was arrested? And Peter is there, and there's a servant named Malchus. They come to arrest Jesus. What does Peter do? He draws his sword, cuts off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus says, Peter... Put away the sword and heals the ear of Malchus. Peter was always quick to pull out the sword, always quick to run his mouth, and he had to learn the lesson that you got to love and you got to cultivate love for one another. Do you remember the time that Jesus came back and restored Peter? Jesus said, Peter, one day they're going to take you and they're going to bind you up and take you somewhere that you don't want to go. And, and really it was a prophecy about how that Peter would die. 
And what does Peter do? He looks at John and says, well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? In other words, Peter was saying, I don't mind dying a martyr's death, but I want somebody else to go with me. Jesus said, you don't worry about him. Peter, I tell you, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. You see, let me just be personal here. Trials are like that. When you and I go through a trial, sometimes we go, you know, well, what about him? And what about her? And what about that person? God has a cross tailor-made for each and every believer. God knows how much we can bear. God has His hand on the thermostat. God knows when to turn it up. And God knows when to turn it down. God knows exactly how much you and I can take. I heard some, someone say one time, well, I just can't take anymore. God knows that. He knows what you can bear. We need to fall in love, though, with God's people. Verse number 8. Kind of a neat verse. A lot of things in there. The Living Bible. Remember the old green Living Bible? Verse 8 in the Living Bible reads like this. And now this word to all of you. You should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Like one big happy family. If we are going to cultivate Christian love, we've got to love the brethren. The old preacher said we've got to love the brethren and the sister. And all right, we've got, we've got to love one another. We've got to. Well, not only that. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, We should love our enemies. Our enemies. The Bible says, Don't return evil for evil, but instead give a blessing. Oh, you ever had someone chew you out and you just turn back to them and say, well, God bless you. <clears throat> Not often. <laughs> well, when someone does something and they say something unkind, the Bible says we should give them a blessing instead. I want you to look in your Bible real quick to Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Barry, you got that? Would you read that for me? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, wow. In other words, leave room for the wrath of God. You see, you can take your vengeance out, but God will do it much better. <laughs> you can have your last word, why don't you let God have the last word? 
You know, the Bible says God has a way of heaping coals of fire on their head. You don't even have to do it. And so, put your blessing on those who treat you in an evil way. That was very, very uh, applicable to that first century because of all the persecution they were going through. Well, verses 10 through 12 says that we should love life. Love life. Um, the Bible says in verse 10, for the one who desires, and we may use the word love, who loves life, uh, to love and see good days, he must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Uh, you know, there's something about, about life. You know, life is a wonderful thing. I, I see the whole thing from the cradle to the grave. I go to hospitals and welcome babies into the world and, and then at funerals I see those promotions up into glory. But life is so special that God says, don't celebrate your birthdays by the year. Number your days. Celebrate every single day. Romans 8.28 says, in all things, God can cause everything to work towards good. So, to prepare for your best days, you've got to work on this. You've got to cultivate Christian love in your life. Love the brethren. Love those who mistreat you. Alright, you with me? Number two. Number two, to prepare for the best, you've got to practice. I like this word. You've got to practice. The Lordship of Christ. Wow. You see that in verse 15? But sanctify Christ as Lord. That word sanctified means to set apart Christ as Lord. You know, when um, you and I have an area of our life that we get too much control over, God has a way of taking it back. Have you noticed that? You try to dominate and control your children too much, God has a way of getting them back. I had someone uh, ask me the real meeting. We were talking about raising children. And I said, well, I'm still in the process. Ours is 31 years of age and I'm still working on it, but... Uh, but I, I did give him this word of wisdom. A child doesn't need your faith. Now listen to me, this will be good for you to hear. A child doesn't need your faith. They've got to find their faith. If they've got your faith, they're going to toss it aside when they leave home. But if they find and develop their faith, then they'll hang on to it. You see, the prodigal son <clears throat> had to find his faith in the far country, didn't he? And sometimes children have to go a long way before they come back. And I, I told, in fact, I used this verse right here. I said, in your family, you've got to say, Christ is Lord. You've got to set that family apart. Sanctify that family. 
and say, Christ, You're going to be Lord over my family. I'm going to teach. I'm going to pray. I'm going to train. But in the end, that family's got to find their own faith. They've got to find it. Well, we also find here that uh, in verse number 15, <clears throat> again, it talks about giving account. By the way, this word uh, account, who asks you to give an account, is the word defense. Uh, it's a Christian apology. Uh, not, not saying I'm sorry for something, but defending the faith. Peter is saying that when you set apart Christ as Lord, and, and when uh, the world sees that, and when the world notices your life, then you have an opportunity to stand up and give a defense, to give a defense of the faith. But notice in verse 15 how we're to do that. With gentleness and reverence. Don't browbeat them. Don't take a 30-pound Bible and try to beat them over the head. No, don't do that. The Bible says, with gentleness and reverence. I uh, was reading a commentary, the Broadman Bible Commentary, and they quote Alexander McLaren in that commentary. A wonderful quote. Here it is. Alexander McLaren, the old preacher, said, Only he who, who can say... The Lord is, by, is the strength of my life can go on to say, of whom shall I be afraid? Isn't that good? Only the person that can say that Christ is the Lord of my life and my strength can say, whom shall I be afraid? You know, the old, the old thing, if God be for us, who can be against us? Boy, think about the Bible. Abraham in a far country over there in Egypt. Messed up. God still stayed with him. Think about David. Messed up. But David was what? A man after God's own heart. Time and time again we find people in the Bible that were great failures, but they got great strength because they knew in their heart, even though they messed up, the Lord was the strength of their life. So to prepare for the best, We've got to sanctify Christ as Lord in your life. Alright, number three, number three. Third and last here. To prepare for the best, you've got to maintain a good conscience. A good conscience. Have you ever felt guilty? Hmm. Have you ever done something and said, uh, boy, I hope no one saw me do that? There are times when you and I try to uh, blush. Yeah, Ken, are you confessing down here? Uh, Wilma is. <laughs> nah, I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, there, there are times we try to hide our behavior because we know that, um, that we've done something and, and we, just, we just get convicted. Years and years ago, I was in high school and... Uh, my, my pastor uh, decided we were going to have a big attendance day. Kind of like big. And uh, he was looking for people to go and do something called visitation. Now, I didn't know what visitation was. 
And so uh, I'm 16 years of age. And he got there and, you know, Sunday night and said, next Saturday we're going to go out and we're going to have visitation because we're going to have high attendance on that Sunday. Who here today will go and, and show up for visitation on Saturday? Well, I didn't know what it was, so I raised my hand. I said, Preacher, I'll go with you. Count me in. Between that Sunday and the next Saturday, I learned what it was. <laughs> and I said, man, there ain't no way. I am not doing that. I'm not going up some strange door, knocking on some strange door, talking to some strange person. I am not going to do that. So Saturday came, 10 o'clock in the morning. I just didn't show up. It's going down to friend of mine's house and going to play basketball. So I got my basketball and I'm dribbling down the street going to Lee Schuster's house. So I'm dribbling the ball going to Lee's house. Right around the corner comes a car. My preacher. <laughs> and I thought, oh Lord, he's going to see me. He did. He saw. He honked. He waved at me. And then I thought, I just can't go back to church. Why in the world am I going to say that? Man, the next Sunday I'm at the back door there. He grabs me by the hand, shakes my never said a word about it. You had a moment where you promised someone something and you didn't come through. You promised God something and you didn't come through. And so, where the Bible says here, in verse number 16, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Peter is saying, don't let a lost world look at your life and bring conviction upon you. Make sure that your conscience is as clear as it can be. Now, I do believe that there's a difference between a conscience and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe this. You can be condemned both ways. I believe your conscience can condemn you and the Holy Spirit can convict you too. Martin Luther, the great reformer, stood up against the Roman church. April 18, 1521, said these words, Here I stand, I can do no other. God help me, amen. He wasn't afraid to take a stand. And that's really what Peter's saying here. If you look at verse 17, it says, For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. In other words, you and I need to have that kind of attitude and faith that will go the extra mile so that we're not convicted by the Holy Spirit and not convicted in our conscience. So, wrap it up. How do you and I prepare for the best? Cultivate Christian love. You've got to work on it. Practice the Lordship of Christ. Make sure every area of your life, Christ is Lord, Christ is Lord. Make Him Lord of all. And then maintain a good conscience. Samuel Johnson one time said, 
Fear and shame arise from the fear of man. Conscience from the fear of God. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. I think I put that verse on your outline. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute, listen to this, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Boy, we live in a world today that's changed the price tags. What God values They've taken that tag off and placed it somewhere else. God values purity. The world doesn't. God values wholesome marriages. The world doesn't. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 declares that we can be condemned in our conscience. Broadman Bible commentary again says it is a part of the proverbial vocabulary of Christianity that to return evil for good is animal-like. To return evil for evil is human-like. But listen to this. To return evil for good is God-like. And that's what we want. The world gives us evil. Give them good back. Put a blessing on them. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, I really believe our best days are in the future. Father, I know that one day in glory, we're going to celebrate. And God, You're going to get us ready for heaven one day by going through trials today. Father, may You give us opportunity this week, an open door, Father, to share our faith, to make a defense to declare and defend our faith before a lost world. Father, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great day.